so this morning, uh, we're continuing on in our series in the book of John. Uh, again, looking at uh, what's in, we're entirely at the Word, looking at the life of Jesus, uh, and kind of how He walked on this earth, what He taught, uh, but also understanding that the book of John, out of all the four different Gospels, uh, has a very unique beginning. Uh, every other gospel starts with prophecy, kind of pointing forward and saying, well, this, this is how Jesus is and how he is fulfilling uh, this prophecy. The book of John starts out uh, basically by saying Jesus is God. And then he continues on as he's writing this letter and really showing this radical change that Jesus has come to bring as he walks here on the earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit we looked at. The protection of worship for all nations and not just for the Jews. Uh, And we'll see this continue on as we look through this series. Uh, This morning it's interesting that we're recognizing mothers, uh, and this passage this morning is actually regarding birth. Uh, Birth is an absolute miracle. Uh, You know, whether it's here in the natural and uh, the gift that God has given to us uh, in order for a child to come into the world, and and how two half-cells come together that uh, form a complete map that then God knits together in the womb that becomes these tiny little bundles of testing joys. It's a good description, right? Um, But then for them to grow up and all of that to happen. Uh, But we're going to be talking about an even more miraculous type of birth this morning in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, uh, we'll pray before we begin. Father, we come before you. Uh, We thank you for your holy word. We pray that you would guide us and lead us. Uh, As we look at this morning, we look at what uh, birth in the Spirit means, a new birth, a born-again birth. Uh, Lord, I pray that this truth, this profound truth that uh, anchors our very hope and existence in you, that you would make alive to us. Lord, I pray that if there are those here this morning that do not have that relationship with you, that, Lord, you would pull on their heartstrings and reveal your love to them, and they would recognize the great truth that awaits in following Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us that do follow you, uh, I pray that this reality of our identity in a new birth becomes even more solid, and that our um, anchor in this world would be completely disrupted as we anchor firmly in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 3, verse 1, uh, begins by saying, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, uh, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, or came to Jesus at night, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Now, just within these first two verses, there's a number of interesting points that come up. Uh, First thing, right off the bat, uh, Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God. Now the word rabbi itself means teacher, but when you look at the original language here, uh, there's a different word for rabbi than there is for the teacher. So he says one word when he says rabbi and a completely different word when he says, "Well, well, you're a teacher. And the reason for this is that that term rabbi was a a sense of title, respect, and honor that was given to those that would teach and lead uh, students and disciples. 
Nicodemus himself would have been a rabbi, a teacher of Israel. And so Nicodemus being this really recognized teacher in the nation, coming up to Jesus and now using this honorary term to Jesus signifies something. That he's not just dismissing Jesus the way the rest of the Pharisees have done, but, but rather that he's recognized something. That he's looked at these signs that have been happening. Now these signs in this passage is the same word uh, that we looked at a few weeks ago when Jesus turned over all the tables at the temple and the Pharisees came to him and said, well, what signs are you performing? This is the same thing, but Nicodemus has been watching what Jesus has been doing and recognizing there's something to this guy. God's with him. Now, he calls him rabbi. He doesn't call him Messiah. He's not acknowledging him uh, even as a prophet or the one that was promised to come uh, to rescue Israel. But he's understanding that something is happening. And so he gives this sign of honor and respect and is looking to see what Jesus has to teach so that he's able to consider this. So then Jesus continues on in in verse 3. Jesus replies, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a a second time uh, and be born? And so here Nicodemus is responding directly to what Jesus is saying. How are we born again when we're an adult? How are we born again when we were a child? I was born on Groundhog's Day. um, And apparently the doctor uh, joked with my mom that I saw my shadow. uh, But she wouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, But how are we born again? Is essentially what Nicodemus (laughs) Is saying, I'm glad this isn't live right now because <laughs> my mom's going to see it later, though. So maybe she'll post on Facebook whether or not that's true. I just made it up. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I was born on Groundhog's Day, so most likely it could have been a joke from a doctor. I'm way off here right now. But that is. Nicodemus mindset. Almost this ridiculous idea. We're joking about it right now with an awkward joke that a doctor may or may not have made. And it sounds so silly to us, right? That's the same way Nicodemus is responding. In this sense of silliness, in the sense of incredulity. You want me to be born again? Like, how does that happen? And he literally asks that question because his mindset is so much on the way things happen in an earthly way that he's missing the truth of what Jesus is actually pointing to. Last week we talked about this a little bit, saying that there's a theme in John where Jesus is teaching something and the people that he's teaching just don't get it right away. And they'll realize it later after his death. They'll realize it later when he explains it to them. Uh, But many people are confused. Some even leave, as we'll see uh, in a few more chapters, uh, when Jesus is teaching something and people are only looking at it from an earthly mindset and not willing to trust and follow this. And so therefore they miss out on profound and miraculous truths. 
In verse 4, Jesus continues on. So Nicodemus is responding in this kind of incredulous uh, sense. And Jesus answers, he's like, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And so now here Jesus is kind of rephrasing the same thing, saying the same thing kind of in a different way to say that, okay, it's not just birth, but it's born of water and of the Spirit. And the importance of this need to be born of water and Spirit, to be born again, he also shares here in verse 5. They cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. This is how serious the need for this new birth is. Without this new birth, you can't get into heaven. And you can't see and interact with the kingdom of God here on earth. These are the implications of this. And so we want to really seriously take a look at what this born again means. Now, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, uh, as some of you know, and uh, I remember talking to my friends in school, uh, and, and they're like, okay, well, what church do you go to? And I'm like, I don't go to a church. At least that's how witnesses respond. We go to Kingdom Halls. Um, and they're like, well, and I'm like, so what kind of a Christian are you? I'm a born-again Christian. I'm like, what does that even mean? And, and I had a number of friends that would tell me the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm a born-again. I'm like, what is... I, well, I, I choose to believe in Christ. Okay, but that still doesn't explain to me what, what born again was. And, and it was an aspect that had confused me for a number of years uh, until beginning to really look at this passage and, and understanding what it actually means here. Now, as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and Jesus was saying, you need to be born again, uh, Nicodemus was focusing on the word born. Oh, you said born. You mean birth. That must mean like as a baby and a mother. But actually, the word that's most interesting within this passage is the word again. This is Strong's G509, uh, anothan, which uh, primarily means uh, from above, from the top. It can mean again, but also from on high. Within the same chapter, in verse 31, it's put this way. The one who comes from above. This is that word, anothen, which Nicodemus understood as again, but Jesus was meaning differently. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who's from earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. And so he's talking about himself in this. But as he was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was all hung up on the word born. And so he's thinking natural birth. However, what Jesus was talking about was a birth from above. A birth from on high. A birth from heaven. This is the type of birth that's necessary in order to see or enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is a supernatural birth. It's one that's outside of our ability to control or even create or accomplish for ourselves. But it's rather something that God does for us when we come to Him in humble submission, seeking salvation as we repent of our sins and following Jesus as our Lord and Savior.
This is why Jesus is referring to it again uh, as water and the Spirit, being born from water and the Spirit. He's referring to Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning verse 25. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes, carefully observe my ordinances. And so as Jesus is talking about being born from water and spirit, he's, he's talking about a, a new birth that, that is of a heavenly supernatural origin that cleanses us from sin and then empowers us in a new life through the Holy Spirit. It's a complete different transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's an absolute new and different life. And sometimes I think what happens is as Christians, we get into the sense of, of salvation and becoming a Christian, following Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And our mindset is, uh, my life is now improved. This is who I was, and now because I know Jesus, my life is better. I don't struggle with these things. I, I don't... Um, I don't hang on to these sins anymore. I'm a happier person. I don't have this anger. X, Y, Z. This is why I'm better. And I think if we look at our life as a Christian just in that sense, uh, we're missing out on the profound truth of what it actually means to be born again. Because it's not just a remodel work that's done. It's not just like we submit to our life to God and then He's like, okay, you know, we're going to take what you got and we're going to tweak it here and tweak it there and we're going to give it an overhaul as we go forward. But what He's saying here is that it is a born again from a spiritual, supernatural origin from heaven which then he then says in verse 6, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so as we come to uh, salvation in Christ and this new birth, this new creation where the old has died and the new lives, what's truly happening in that moment is now we live by the Spirit. And that's what gives us access to God. That's what gives us our relationship to Him. And if we keep thinking that we're just improving on what we were, we're actually allowing these tethers or anchors to be dragging behind us, saying, well, this is still part of my identity where I came from. Now, we don't want to ignore and forget our past, but we can't let them determine what our identity is because our identity is now in Jesus Christ. It is a complete transformation as we are now his son or his daughter not just adopted like like we use that word and, and it's a right word it's within scripture he calls us his children but the, the the earthly sense of adoption doesn't even 
compare to what God actually does. When we're talking about earthly adoption, you, you, you have a family and, and here's a kid that doesn't have a family and they're saying, we're going to bring you into our family and we're going to treat you as though you have been in our family. Right? And so now they're your child. It's a miracle. And it represents what God has done, but not fully. Because what God is saying is, okay, you need a spiritually heavenly father. I, I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into my family. I want to put a robe and a ring on you. Call you my son or my daughter to, to be a brother or sister to Jesus Christ himself. I'm going to put my spirit within you. And as he does that, now it departs from our earthly idea of what adoption is. Again, earthly idea of adoption is we're bringing you, you had a different mother and different father, we're bringing you in, we're going to act as though you are our own. What God does through the Holy Spirit is I'm bringing you in and supernaturally you are now being reborn as my son or my daughter. Not just adopted, but reborn. We were once lost in darkness and sin and that was our path and that was our origin. God says that died when I recreated you, when I adopted you and you were reborn supernaturally by water and spirit. I cleansed you and I made you holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is now your identity. This is now your calling. This is now your purpose. As you walk forward from that moment of salvation as a child of God, you have been literally born in the Spirit as His own child. And my mind still can't wrap around it. What a beautiful amazing God that we have. That He would look at us knowing what's in our hearts, knowing what's in our minds, and our own tendency to rebel against Him before we came to salvation, knowing the worst parts of us. And He still says, I want you. I'm adopting you. I'm, I'm rebirthing you by My Spirit. I want to spend the rest of eternity with you. You are mine. I love you. I cherish you. I'm rescuing you. And the things that we can do. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we are to walk in the works that He prepared for us before the foundation of the world. God has plans for you to walk with Him. And those plans are not according to the wisdom and mindset of this world. Because time and time again, throughout Scripture, Romans chapter 6, we die to this world. And we're reborn as we follow after Jesus. This is the type of life that we're, we're called to live in, a complete transformation. It's how we see enter into the kingdom of God through being born by the Spirit.
So if you're here today and, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've come to that point of salvation, uh, the challenge is, do you actually acknowledge this? That the, wherever you may have come from, whatever your background may have been, whatever darkness might be there or, or whatever good life might have been, God has called you out of that into a life that follows Him. We need to live that way. We need to encourage each other to live that way. We talked about this a, a couple weeks ago um, when John Kelly had brought up the idea of accountability and, and needing to be uh, accountable to one another uh, and how we need to change that idea of what accountability is. I think we need to, to come alongside one another more often and encourage each other to say, you've been reborn as a son or daughter of God. Like, how awesome is this? How can I help you reflect that? And then to have this sense of encouraging and holding each other accountable to, to walk as the adopted, reborn children of God as we go forward, both casting off every sin and weight and hindrance that, that slows and tangles us, as it says in Hebrews, uh, but also that idea of being more than a conqueror and, and being a carrier of the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. To encourage each other um, to good works as the day draws near. Don't forsake gathering together, also in Hebrews. If you're here this morning, uh, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a matter of the utmost importance. There is nothing else on this earth more important than considering this truth of the ability to be reborn by the Spirit as a child of God. No matter what else happens in this world, it's all temporary. The best possible thing, you wake up tomorrow and there's $27 million in your bank account and you never have to worry about anything. It matters nothing compared to what is eternity. The worst thing that could have ever happened to you in your life does not matter in comparison with knowing Jesus Christ and the healing that comes through that and the hope for an eternity that actually washes away the past. Paul, in Romans chapter 8, actually says, I do not consider the present troubles of this world, the present sufferings, even worth comparing to the glory that God is going to reveal in those that love Him. Even the worst thing that you've ever done, if you don't know Jesus Christ, is nothing in comparison to the love that God has and the adoption and rebirth that happens. Because we're imperfect people. And as we sinned, as we walked in our life before we knew Jesus, any number of things may have happened, but we're imperfect people. The reality is that God Himself, the Creator of the universe, absolutely perfect in every way, absolute love in every way, the one who spoke the sun into the sky and the ants on the ground beneath our feet. The one that allows us to breathe right now. The one that knows how many hairs are on your head at this very moment. 
the one that knit you together in your mother's womb, looking at the plans that he has for you. He came down to die for you. To take your place with the wrath of God upon him for your sins. There's no way we can atone for the things that we have done. But God can. Because He's absolutely perfect. He is the absolute highest value of all things. And He traded it because He wants a relationship with you. And the type of relationship that puts to death who you were and says, here's this new life that I'm giving you. Being reborn as my son or as my daughter. Now let's go forward into eternity together. The alternative is hell. And separation from Him. It's why this rebirth, this born again, is of the utmost importance. Because we're talking about eternal separation and torment for sin, separated from God for all of eternity. Or we're talking about being reborn as one of His children. And again, not because we earned it. Not because we accomplished something. But because He freely came to us and said, I want you to have this. I want to rescue you. I want you as my son or daughter. I just want to ask at this moment before we continue on this morning, is there anyone here that does not have that relationship with Jesus Christ and, and you desire to be in that right now? that you desire to pursue after Him. If that's you, raise your hand. We'd like to pray with you this morning. I see you over there. Anybody else? Just take another moment. All right, Father, we come before You this morning. We thank You for this uh, miraculous provision of birth, uh, even in the natural, where we see children uh, coming from this supernatural origin uh, that we can't even fathom at times. Uh, but Lord, I thank You even more for the spiritual birth by Your Spirit that makes us Your sons or Your daughters. But Father, we pray uh, for this person that has raised their hand and has said, I need this. I need this rebirth. I need to die to myself and be led completely by God as my Father. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that as you cleanse them, as you work in them, that you would protect them from the enemy uh, who would cause doubt and lies to come into them to say that there is no new identity, that they're still anchored to the past. Uh, we pray that as a church, uh, you would grant us guidance and wisdom and how to move forward uh, to be brothers and sisters in Christ uh, with this people and with one another. Lord, we want to be that church that does that, that encourages one another as this day draws near, as we truly walk out this identity of being reborn by You in the Spirit. Lord, let this sink in and let it transform everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. just want to take a few moments here, kind of at the end of the service. We're ending a touch early. Um, as we're kind of going through this passage, this idea of, of rebirth, this adoption, this new identity, uh, is there anybody that um, felt like the Lord was speaking something to you that you didn't hear before or know before or something that you feel is to be shared with the church here this morning?
Just take another second. Okay. Morning. Fun. Yep. So, um, as I was just sitting there now, I felt like the Lord was giving me a picture when Joshua was speaking about adoption and how it's such a beautiful representation of what the Lord does for us, but it's not a complete picture. And I felt like um, he kind of, the Lord combined this idea of adoption with that idea of being, he said that he is the vine and we're the branches. And when you think about that, like those branches are connected into the vine in a way that the very life flows through the vine and into the branches. And I felt like God showed me it was like, as humans, we're like having a DNA transplant, a DNA transfusion. When he adopts us into his family, he doesn't just say like, now you're mine, I put my name over you, but he actually gives us his DNA. He changes us to be of him instead of of our earthly parents. And so I thought that was such a beautiful picture. And it goes with this other thing that the Lord had spoken to my heart yesterday and Friday night about Mother's Day, and um, I was just praying for the mothers of our church and the women of of our church in general and um, seeking the Lord about that, and I felt like he gave me this, um, just this overwhelming idea of his love for us and that it's right to honor mothers. There should be no shame and no condemnation about that. Like, it's right for us to do that and that it's also right for us to acknowledge that it is not by becoming a mother, it is not by how good of a mother you are, it's not by being a father or um, anything that we can do or have any role in this earthly life that makes us valuable. We are loved, we are valuable because we are his. And so it's right for us to give out, you know, these gift cards to moms and go and take a break. Like, you need it. You deserve it. Like, go and have some time where, you know, you don't have anybody asking you questions or getting you, you know, wanting you to get another snack or whatever. Go and have a cup of coffee and enjoy that. And let's also celebrate that we are loved. We are valuable because we are his. And that alone is what makes us valuable. That alone is what gives us Um, this beautiful identity. And so I made these little, um, I feel like you put it on my heart, to make these little bookmarks. um, And I just put either um, a part of Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, or just the gist of it on these bookmarks. And I just, I want you guys to grab one as you go out, take one that speaks to you, um, and use it to hold your place in your identity in him, to remind you that that this is who you are, and this is what makes you valuable. And any time, because the enemy constantly, from all different directions, wants us to, and he wants to steal that identity from us, in our, because the fact is he can't steal it, but he wants to steal the fact that we would know it and live in it. And so hold your place in his word, in that truth, that he is what makes you valuable, and that's all, nothing that you do.